TOB number 22, general audience of March 26, 1980. We are coming to the end of the cycle of reflections with which we tried to follow the appeal of Christ, transmitted by Matthew chapter 19, verse 3 through 9, and Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Have you not read that from the beginning the Creator created them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and unite with his wife, and the two will be one flesh. Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 5. In Genesis, conjugal union is defined as knowledge. Adam united with Eve his wife, who conceived and gave birth to Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Already in our earlier meditations, we tried to throw light on the content of that biblical knowledge. By this knowledge, man, both male and female, not only gives the right name, as he did when he gave names to the other living beings, Anamalia, thereby taking possession of them, but he knows in the sense of Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 and other passages of the Bible, and thus realizes what the name man expresses. He realizes humanity in the new man who is generated. In a certain sense, therefore, he realizes himself, that is, the man-person. In this way, the biblical cycle of knowledge generation closes. This cycle of knowledge is constituted by the union of persons in love, which allows them to unite so closely with each other that they become one flesh. Genesis fully reveals to us the truth of this cycle. Man, male and female, who through the knowledge about which the Bible speaks, conceives and generates a new human being similar to himself, to whom he can give the name man, I have acquired a man, takes possession, so to speak, of humanity itself, or even better, retakes it into his possession. This retaking, however, occurs in a way that differs from the way he had taken possession of all other living beings on Amalia when he had given each its name. At that time, in fact, he had become their master. He had begun to carry out the content of the Creator's commandment. Subdue the earth and rule over it. See Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. However, the first part of the commandment, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, Genesis 1 28, contains a further content and indicates a further component. In this knowledge, in which they give rise to a being similar to themselves, about which they can say together, It is flesh from my flesh and bone from my bones. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. The man and the woman are carried off together, as it were, both taken into possession by the very humanity which they, in union and reciprocal knowledge, want to express anew and take possession of anew by drawing it from themselves from the marvelous masculine and feminine maturity of their bodies, and in the end, through the whole sequence of human conceptions and generations from the beginning, from the very mystery of creation. In this sense, one can explain biblical knowledge as possession. Is it possible to see in this knowledge some biblical equivalent of eros? We are dealing here with two conceptual spheres, with two languages, biblical and platonic. Only with great caution can they be interpreted by each other. It seems, however, that in the original revelation, 
one does not find the idea of the possession of the woman by the man, or vice versa, as an object. On the other hand, we know that due to, to the tendency towards sin, contracted as a consequence of original sin, man and woman must reconstruct the meaning of the reciprocal disinterested gift with great effort. This will be the subject of our further analysis. Knowledge Stronger Than Death The revelation of the body contained in Genesis, particularly in Genesis chapter 3, shows with impressive obviousness that the cycle of knowledge generation, rooted so deeply in the power of the human body, has been subjected after sin to the law of suffering and death. God Yahweh says to the woman, I will multiply your pangs in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Genesis chapter 3 verse 16. The horizon of death opens before man together with the revelation of the generative meaning of the body in the spouse's act of reciprocal knowledge. And so the first man, the male, gives to his wife the name Eve, because she was the mother of all the living, Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. When he had already heard the words of the sentence that determined the whole perspective of human existence from within, the knowledge of good and evil, this perspective is confirmed by the words, You will return to the earth, for out of it you were taken. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return, Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. The radical character of this sentence is confirmed by the evidence of the experiences of man's whole earthly history. The horizon of death extends over the whole perspective of human life on earth, a life that has been inserted into that original biblical cycle of knowledge generation. Man who has broken the covenant with his creator, gathering the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is cut off by God Yahweh from the tree of life. Now let him not reach out his hand any more and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Genesis chapter 3 verse 22. In this way, the life given to man in the mystery of creation is not taken away, but restricted by the limit of conceptions of births and of death, and further worsened by the perspective of hereditary sinfulness. Yet it is in some way given to him anew as a task in the same ever-recurring cycle. The sentence, Adam united with her, himself with, or knew, Eve, his wife, who conceived and gave birth, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, is like a seal impressed in the original revelation of the body at the very beginning of man's history on the earth. This history is always formed anew in its fund most fundamental dimension from the beginning, as it were, by the same knowledge generation about which Genesis speaks. And in this way, every man carries in himself the mystery of his beginning, strictly tied to consciousness of the generative meaning of the body. Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 through 2 seems to be silent about the relation that runs between the generative and the spousal meaning of the body. It is perhaps not yet this, the time nor the place to clarify this relation, although this clarification seems indispensable in our further analysis. At that future point, it will be necessary to raise anew the questions tied to the emergence of shame in man, a shame of his masculinity and his femininity that he did not experience before. At present, however, 
this question moves to a secondary level. On the primary level, by contrast, there remains the fact that Adam united himself with, knew, his wife, who conceived and gave birth. This is the precise threshold of man's history. It is his beginning on the earth. On this threshold, man stands as male and female with the consciousness of the generative meaning of his own body. Masculinity contains in a hidden way the meaning of fatherhood and femininity that of motherhood. In the name of this meaning, Christ was one day to give the categorical answer to the question the Pharisees addressed to him. Matthew 19, Mark 10. We, on the other hand, when we penetrate the simple content of this answer, are seeking at the same time to shed light on the context of this beginning to which Christ appealed. The theology of the body plunges its roots into this beginning. In man, consciousness of the meaning of the body and consciousness of the generative meaning come into contact with the consciousness of death whose inevitable horizon they carry, so to speak, within themselves. And yet, in man's history, there always returns the knowledge generation cycle in which life struggles always anew with the inexorable prospect of death and always overcomes it. It is as if the reason for this unyielding strength of life, which shows itself in generation, were always the same knowledge with which man passes beyond the solitude of his own being and even more decides anew to affirm this being in an other. And both man and woman affirm it in the new man whom they generate. In this statement, biblical knowledge seems to take on a still greater dimension. It seems to insert into that vision, insert itself into that vision of God Himself, which concludes the first account of the creation of man concerning male and female made in the image of God. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Genesis 1.31 Despite all the experiences of his own life, despite the sufferings and disappointments in himself, his sinfulness, and finally despite the inevitable prospect of death, man always continues, however, to place knowledge at the beginning of generation. In this way, he seems to participate in that first vision of God himself. God the Creator saw everything, and indeed, it was good. And always anew he confirms the truth of these words.